0: got your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 2. We'll, we'll get there in a minute. I want to I set up our message this morning, this, this new series. How many of you are excited to talk about relationships? <laughs> Hopefully every one of us are. Um, we did a relationship series last summer, and it was such a, a, a massive hit um, for a lot of us that I thought, man, I, I want to carry on with it. I want to talk about some other, other issues concerning relationships, and that's why we've titled this series, Social Space. Um, because we're going to talk about some different spaces of our relational world. Um, There's a lot that goes into relationships. There's many aspects to our lives. We work in the tension of navigating these aspects to the best of our ability. But I believe one of the most significant aspects, defining areas of our lives, is in the area of relationships. Relationships make up the lion's share of our, of our lives. I know that it was deep right there, um, but just follow me, all right? They're integral to every aspect of our life, and without them, I, I actually believe that we're not able to be and experience everything that God wants us to be and experience everything that he wants us to experience, all right? If we start at the beginning, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, this, then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And Then secondly, he says, I will make him a helper fit for him. We know this to be a two-part institution. First, the overall reality that we are not meant to do life alone. Come on, somebody, all right? We are not meant to be alone. If you feel alone, if you came into this church this morning and you feel alone, you feel segmented, rejected, isolated, I want you to know that you are in the best place that you could possibly be because you are not meant to do life alone. What's been told to you, that you'll never have friends, you'll never have relationships, you'll never have a future. I don't care what's been said. you got to understand that that's not God's design for our lives. God's design is in relationship. We actually see relationships before he even created man and woman. We know this to be the, the, the theological line or premise, the doctrine of the Trinity. God, three in one. All right? Son, Father, Holy Spirit, in communion with each other, and I know the Trinity is a big doctrinal, theological issue that it's really hard to wrap our our minds around, but we have to understand that community was designed from the outset, right? So God initiates first the overall reality that we are to be in relationship, and then secondly, God initiates the covenant of marriage, which we'll talk more in depth about later on in this series. We must understand that God has created us with space, space that is to be occupied by a very specific thing and that is relationships. So we're going to take some time during the course of the series to look at relationships. It's fascinating to me that we spend more time studying for our driver's license than we do trying to get the tools, the wisdom, and the character necessary to navigate relationships appropriately. Because how many of you know while driving a car is complex, relationships are ten times more complex? And so I think we've got to figure out, we've got to work hard as a, as a body of believers, as a church, to figure out this relational dynamic. We've got to understand relationships. We've got to figure out relationships. And the Bible has a truck ton to say about relationships. So this is what I want us to do this morning. At the outset of this series, I want us to do four things. First, let down your guard. Can we do that? Let down, let down your guards. For some of you, you're like, no, I'm going to hold my guard up. Okay. Don't let it down. And the reason that I say that is because it's hard to receive what God wants to give you when your guard is up all the time. You're like Pastor Jason, but you you don't even know. Like I've stepped foot into church like this before. I, I've been in a place like this before. And while I'm I, I want to pursue my relationship with God, people have hurt me. Yes, people will hurt you. Man, but I don't know that it was church people who hurt me. Well, that's because church people hurt people. Why? Because we're normal people. Right? So let your guard down. But you don't understand, I've had, I've had really weird things in this whole sphere of God. Can I tell you that he loves you and what you experienced isn't the experience that he wanted you to have? So let your guard down so his presence and his grace can saturate your life. Let your guard down. All right? The second thing is we need to reserve our opinion. And I know for some of us it's really difficult. Okay? But reserve your opinion. What you think you know about relationship, we're going to mess with it a little bit. What we all think we know about relationships and the dynamics of it, the Bible is going to flip upside down for us. So reserve your opinion, all right? That means even keep it off Facebook. I know, crazy. The third one is this, is pushback fear. It's amazing how many times we step into a series like this, people get all freaked out because we're talking about relationships. Why? Because relationships start to really dig into this, our heart, who we are. And so I want to encourage you, push back fear. And then the last one is this, open your heart. Open your heart. Be ready to receive what God has for us, what He wants to speak to us, what He wants to say to us in the the context of this series. And I I believe as we push through this series, um, there's going to be some amazing truths that God is going to instill into our lives and into our hearts. This series is going to take us through, just so you all know where we're going as a church, this series is going to take us through September and October. Then when we get into November, we're going to do a series called GOAT, Which is going to be really cool um, because it's football season. And for those of you who don't know what "goat" means, it's greatest of all time. And uh, it's going to be a great series. So we got we got some direction, and then we head into the uh, into the December Christmas season. Come on, how many of you excited for Christmas already? Some of you stressed already, right there. Stop. All right, it's all good. So if you got your Bibles, Acts chapter two, verses forty-one through forty-seven says this. This is going to be our focus verse this morning. Says. So, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This morning as we begin our series, Social Space, I want to speak to you from the subject, In This Together, as we deal with the issue of community and the importance that it has in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active. We thank you that you are working in this place. We thank you for the person this morning in our 9 a.m. service who gave their life to you. We thank you for victory. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you are speaking to us right now. And so, God, our hearts are opened. Our ears are listening to what it is that you have to say to us. Speak to us this morning. We're listening. And I thank you this morning that the Seahawks will have their first win today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted. Hey, come on, a house divided can't stand people, all right? <laughs> Somebody's like, what kind of church is this? <laughs> I love the start of, of new things. Anybody love new beginnings? New seasons, new how many of you excited for fall? Like this is oh, this is it. This is the jam. This is what it's about. Um, the unfortunate thing about fall is that we know it's after that. So <laughs> um, we've been in a season of new beginnings. New baby, um, little Elle. uh Eliana is our third child. She just arrived a couple weeks ago. Erica's going to be here at the 5 p.m. service tonight for uh, her and El's first service. And so we're really excited about that. It's just new, new moments for our, our family array right now. I love the freshness that that new moments, new beginnings bring. I I love everything that's entailed in in new moments. And and you might be like me. And what I love about Acts chapter 2 right here is is it's a brand new moment for the church. This young church, this young vibrant church that was built off the backs of the disciples that were walking and and eating and and purview to Jesus' miracles now have the baton passed on to them and Jesus says, do something with it, change the world. He says, I'll give you power, and they had power, and off the backside of this power that was instituted at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they move on to starting to reach their city. And Acts chapter 2 shows us what happens when people are in unity trying to reach a city. It says that 3,000 were added to their little church that day, which is pretty awesome in that moment. But the problem was, is they hadn't yet figured out how to do this. They hadn't yet figured out how to work in the tension of growth, yet still have what they had in smaller dynamics. And then you have Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, which we just read, which then was the systematized principles necessary to continue to see the church be everything that it needed to be. And basically, what they were saying was this, we need to, as we get bigger, get smaller. As the church grows, which Jesus ultimately wanted to do, because we know Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now he wasn't talking about the four walls, the ceiling, the lights, the carpet. He was talking about you and me. And he said that he would build his church, the body of Christ and the gates of hell would not prevail against it, which tells me that God has a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us because we are a part of the body of Christ. And so what the enemy meant for better. God is going to make for good. He's standing with you. The gates of hell cannot, will not, will not ever prevail against you. So you have the church, this body that Jesus said, okay, come on. So they had to institute this little thing. And what we see right here in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, it's the beginning of community. Every shout community. That's a word we use a lot around here, isn't it? We wanna build community. We talk about it in the three minutes. We talk about after service, before service. We're all about community around here. We're getting ready to launch our table groups this week. Right? F- 15 or something like that, something crazy, new table groups that are, that are uh, launching this week. Why? Because we wanna produce community. Why? Because God is adding to, to the church and we wanna make sure that as much as the church grows, we wanna shrink. Why? Because we wanna do life together. Why? Because we're in this together and you're like, what the monkey does this have to do with a relationship series? Because I know some of you are in here today are like, yes, they're going to fix my marriage. No, we're not. (laughs) We're going to talk about community today. (laughs) That'll be next in this series. Because I think it's important at the end of the day to understand that overall our lives are built for community. And so this church started to meet together in large format, so they would go to the temple, they would eat together in homes, they would would follow the apostles' teaching, they would see signs and wonders and miracles, they see all these different things. And so what we see is this cadence between large corporate gatherings, worshiping together, exalting God, and then small dinner parties around a table where they would hang out, do life, and dig into each other's worlds. But for many of us, that's a scary reality, because you're like, I don't want nobody digging nothing near me. Right? I watch some of you in the three minutes. You run from people. You're like, whoa, there's the hugger. There's the hugger. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> You're running from me. So it's a hard reality for us to wrap our minds around. So what I want to do this morning is I want to help us understand community. I want to help us build a thriving community. I want us to understand what it takes and what community does in our lives. Is that all right with everybody this morning? We're going to look into what it, what it looks like, three things that community does in our lives. I need you to help me out this morning. number shout number one. The first one is this, is community protects like a security system. Community protects like a security system. My wife and I sold a house, bought a house this, this summer and had a baby and almost died. It was a fantastic summer. <laughs> summer like no other. Um, and when we bought this new house and got into the house, it was uh, a bigger house than what we uh, were in previously. And so, and it was a new house. How many of you know when you get a new house, every creak, crack, shift is like somebody's outside going to kill you, Right? And that's where, we were, that's where we were at like the first couple weeks of the house. Like everything, Erica would wake up in the middle of the night if the wind blew. She's like, baby, what was that? I was like, it's the wind. God made it. <laughs> go check. <laughs> All right, fine. So I'd go out there and check. And I'd check on every noise, everything, every creak, everything like that. And so we decided we need to get a security system. And so we got a security system in the house. This security system talks to us when the doors open right? East gate, open. West gate, open. Back door, open. And when you have kids, it's more like this. Back door, open. Back door, open. Back door, open. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time I've said this to my kids. Could you please keep the door open? (laughs) But it's amazing what happened after we put the security system in place. All of a sudden, we started to sleep better, Right? Like we put it in, and immediately at night there was like peace in our house. She could sleep. I could sleep. And all of a sudden, we had the effects of a, of a security alarm system taking place in our, in our house. And I actually think that community is no different, that God has designed community to be a security system in our lives. And without community, we don't have the security that we need to live the healthy life that God has called us to develop. There needs to be a security. We need to have people in our lives, a community of people that we are standing and doing life with that are a security system making sure that things that aren't supposed to get into my life don't get into my life and and, and I'm gonna be a healthy person because of it. So there's some things about a security system that are very interesting. The first is they have a specific noise, don't they? You ever been in your office building when they set the alarm off just for fun? just to make sure that it works and that you go deaf, right? It's got a very specific noise. When it goes off, it's the most annoying noise on the planet. Why? Because they want you to hear that something is wrong. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 27 verse six says. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, community in operation in our life brings a vocal tone A a, a tone of security, if you will, an alarm when certain things are festering in your life, gaining interest into your life, because these people are there to say, "Eh, stop. We've got some problems going on in there. Have you ever been challenged by a friend and hated him for it, but you knew it was the best thing ever, versus kissed by an enemy who just is like, oh, you're so awesome, you're so great, you're so good. And that's what the Bible is saying. And the funny thing is many of us run from the accountability necessary and found within the context of community. See, we have to have a voice in our life. I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes, but I've I've got a big circle in my life that has a voice in my life. A lot of the guys that are on our board and my, my father-in-law and good friends of mine and my brother, like even while things were happening even this past week, some of them were even conspiring how to create an injunction from stopping me from doing certain things so I don't die. Like how do we do this? How do we stop him from being dumb? <laughs> but what I love about that is that they're good friends. They're good community and I can get around them and I can be challenged. Hopefully I can be the type of pastor, come on somebody, this may be a little too close for comfort, but hopefully I can go to these same people and go, dude, my marriage is struggling right now. I may look like I'm holding it together, but man, I am super weak right now. And I think for too long the church has developed this thing that we just put on our plastic smiles and our veneer. But what would happen if the church got broken together, did community together, and said, "Look, I'm not the perfect person that you think. I've got some stuff going on. So let's walk out life together." Some of you are like, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> There has to be a specific noise. The second thing that we see about security systems is that they have specific codes. Codes are important because they function as a vetting system for those who have access and should have access and for those who don't and shouldn't. Codes ensure that the right people and the right things are able to access the house, and it's no different with our lives. Community and those who, come, uh, who, who make it up have the access codes to our lives. They have the ability to get in the house, and for some people, we live so isolated, so alone, that we are the only ones with the codes to our house. And I want to suggest that this type of isolation is what breeds danger in our lives. The lone sheep is what gets picked off. And for many of us, that's how we live because that's how we're comfortable living. But God wants to call us out of the darkness. He wants to call us out of the corners. He say, come on, come on little sheep. Get with the rest of them, yeah, sheep. Hang out, do community together, do life together. Why? Because there's safety in numbers. There's safety in numbers. And so the first thing that we understand about about communities, it protects like a a security system. Because this is what Proverbs 4.23 says. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. When the Bible says keep, the Hebrew definition, the Hebrew word, if you dig into it, It's more like this, set a garrison, a guard, faithful soldiers around your heart, because out of your heart flow the issues of life. So this is how I see, I see Mel Gibson in a kilt standing in front of my heart. Or Seth in a kilt, which is a bad picture, Colin with a kilt, both of them in a kilt in blue paint. And then I laugh because it's a great picture. (laughs) These guys get around me, my brother, my father, other people in my life get around me to help set a garrison around my heart, and hopefully we do the same for each other. Why? Because out of our heart flow the issues of life. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? (laughs) So we need community. Why? Because community acts like a security system in our lives. Number two, ever shout number two? The second thing, community, is community manages like a board of directors, Community manages like a board of, of directors. Listen to what Proverbs eleven fourteen says. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. For me personally and as a church, there are three boards that operate in order to bring counsel, safety, and accountability in my life. And if you've never been through our Grow course, I want to encourage you, if you're new to the church, get there next week, be a part of this We explain all of this in in great length so that you understand the accountability systems around here and what happens. But these boards help maintain the spiritual health of our church, the fiscal health of our church, and the personal health of myself. The responsibilities of these guys is to strategize and focus on how to better all of these different areas. And our lives are no different. Community helps us manage the stuff that's in our lives at times. Because how many of you know there are many nooks and crannies to our life? Right? And in some, play, in some ways, exposing those nooks and crannies, some of them are easier than others, isn't it? Like it's easy, like to stand out in the lobby and be like, hey, this is some of my stuff. But we don't expose everything. We don't let everybody into the darker recesses of our heart, the, the, the uglier corners of our lives. Why? Because... We haven't yet built that community, but biblically speaking, community is giving us the place and the forum to have light shine upon the darkest places of our lives. That way we, we could be absolutely vulnerable and absolutely open with. Some of us would be like, well I have my wife. I've got my husband. But wait a second, that's my ultimate community. That's one part of community. As men, we should have a band of brothers around us that ask the tough questions, that in many ways wives are afraid to ask. Wives, you need to have your gaggle of women. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to ask the questions that husbands are definitely afraid to ask, <laughs> or a question. <laughs> we need community in our, in our lives. But these are people who have to be trusted, right? One of the greatest reasons that we rage against community, that we push back on community, is because we don't feel safe and secure with people. Community is a two-way street. We've got to develop trust. We've got to, we've got to have people in our life that we trust and, and feel secure with. Listen to what Proverbs 13.20 says concerning this issue. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, if someone is careless with their life, they will be careless with your life. If someone is careless with their life, they're going to be careless with your life. And that is why for many of us, especially in the context of church, we have a hard time giving people trust, giving people place in our lives because we watch carelessness take place all the time so here's the deal every single one of us has to be on the journey of becoming wiser so that we can be for each other what we need to be the body of Christ the body of believers and have true authentic community so here's a few questions if you're looking for those type of people here's a few questions I ask myself when developing community in my life one does this person or people have a big mouth that's a good question Is this person going to take your stuff and say it and spray it? Are they going to like 140 characters on Twitter, this dude? (laughs) Do they have a big mouth? Are they going to share it, say it and spray it everywhere? Another question is, does this person or people care about me and my stuff? Do they actually legitimately care about my life? All right? Is this person or people healthy? Not perfect, healthy. And you know the difference. Really quickly, you can know the difference. Here's another question. Can this person or people be trusted And does this person or people have a good relationship with God? Not perfect, but active and healthy. Here's another question that I just I, I, I put out there this morning that I think is really important: Is this person a pattern person or a potential person? And this is what I mean by that. It's amazing how many of us make decisions on people in our lives, the people that we put in our lives, based upon potential versus based upon pattern. You ever notice that before? I watch single ladies do it all the time. If you're single across this church this weekend, we have them in the nine and the eleven and the five. Um, we're gonna have them all weekend long. I want to say this to you. And single, just so you know, single is like. carefully which direction you go. Because if potential is what you're making decisions on, you are going to be thwarted by pattern. If potential is what we're making decisions on, then distinguished pattern is going to interrupt the process that we're that we're going for. So what is this type of, Are they a pattern? Do they have a healthy pattern, a vibrant pattern in their life that says they're trustworthy and they're, they're wise and they, they seek godly counsel and they love Jesus? Are they, are they a pattern person or are they a potential based person? And I think that's what creates then what we read in Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 where it says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and self-fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives him We've been called in the context of community to bear one another's burdens, to be able to link up with each other. Man, what would happen if the church became that and is becoming that? People walk through the front doors of a church and it's not just, hi, how are you? It's, hey, can I bear up with you? Can we put our arms around each other? Can we walk out this life together? Can we process through what God has for us? Can we overcome? Can we conquer? Can we break down? That is what it means to bear one another's burdens. We had people bearing with us this week because we couldn't hold up the weight of what we were facing. And all throughout this church, I hear stories every single week of people who are bearing things. Let's be the type of church that's built on healthy, authentic community and we bear up with one another. Are we able to be the type of people that are bearing one another's burdens? And the last one is this. Number three, every shot. Number three. The third thing that community does is it refines like a silversmith. Community refines like a silversmith. Having community in our lives is saying that I want God to work in me and through me. I want to live life as designed in relationship. Community actually shows that I desire a stronger relationship with God because it's in the context of community. Listen, because we need to hear this today. It's in the context of community that the gospel actually fleshes itself out. Did you know that? It's amazing how many of us love the gospel. It's amazing how many of us can tell each other what the Bible says about certain things, but we refuse to do community with each other because then we have to do those certain things. Did you know it's in community where we have to actually forgive? It's in community that we actually have to extend grace. Someone once said the world would be a great place if it weren't for people. The problem is, is that God made it full of people. Why? So we could do community with one another. See, it's one thing to preach about the gospel. It's another thing to live out the gospel. Come on, somebody. It's one thing to adhere to a Bible study. It's another thing to live out the Bible study. And it's in relationship that we actually have to do that. It's by developing relationships with people at a, at, a, at a community level that we actually have to work through. It's at that level where we actually have to be like, man, you offended me. <laughs> I won't do it. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's funny how many of us leave relationships because of offense, failing to do the very thing that Matthew chapter 18 tells us to do, which is go to the one who offended you. It's amazing how separated the church has become because of a simple offense. Because I would rather walk away and just deal with things versus go to the person and allow the presence and the grace and the mercy of God through our mutual conversation to say, oh no, it's all right, we're gonna be good. You forgive me, I forgive you, you offended me. I'm awesome, but you offended me. You see what I'm talking about? Go to the one. That's where the gospel really, truly finds itself. Relationship is the proving ground for forgiveness, restoration. It's where we build, it's where we cultivate, it's where we learn how to refrain from judgment. It's where we learn how to live humbly, give freely, live selfishly, extend grace, foster mercy, and operate in love. The best story I've heard It's about a story of a group of kindergartners. And they um, went to a place where they refined silver. Went to go visit a silversmith. And the story goes like this, that these kindergartners were in this place and they were touring the facility. And at the end of the tour, they got to go talk to the silversmith. And so they sat down, they gathered around him. And as kids do, they're pushing each other and spitting on each other and so on and so forth until the fire underneath the silver flamed up. And all of a sudden, it had their attention because that's what fire does to boys and girls. <laughs> so they stood there and they stared at the silversmith who was doing everything that he needed to do to refine the silver to heat it up. And So he's watching as these kids are watching and, and he was watching them just in, in awe with this process. And he would start to explain them what he does. Well, what I do is I heat up the silver and as I heat up the silver to the degree to which I can, the impurities in the silver rise to the top. It's called dross. And I simply scrape away the dross. And then I do the reheating process again. The impurities that are still in there, they they rise to the top and and we wipe it away. And and we go through this process over and over and over again until the the silver's ready. And only a kid can ask the most profound question in the simplest of ways, right? Um, Mr. Silversmith, how do you you know when it's done? The silversmith looks back at him as quick as he possibly could, he says, great question. I know it's done when I can see my reflection in it." Community offers us the same refining process in our lives, because it's in the context of the gospel that the impurities of our life are brought to the top. The dross of our inner world is brought to the top and it's scraped away by the Savior who loves us in this forever going process of seeing the reflection of Jesus in our lives. We're never done until eternity comes. Theologically, we know it as the process of sanctification, the day-in, day-out application of God's grace in our life. It's the dross coming to the top. But I've come to find, and maybe you agree with me, that it's in the context of the relationships that I'm in that I see the most of my dross. It's when my wife pushes me the wrong way and some dross comes to the top. It's when my friends say something that I didn't want to hear for them and some of the dross comes to the top. It's when my pastor says something that I don't like, but the dross comes to the top. And it's in the presence of God. It's in the throes of worship. It's in the mercy and the grace that He gives us that the dross is wiped away so that the reflection of our good Savior is seen in my life and so that we glow in the world that He's called us to love and serve in community that we find the silversmith necessary for our lives. So this morning, church, I want to ask us to do something so important. Allow this year to be a year that you give yourself to community. Don't run from it. Don't hate it. Don't push back. Build community. Build into your life a security system. Build into your life a board of directors. Build into your life a silversmith. And I guarantee you that at the end of this year, you will be a different person than you are right now in this place. In Jesus' name, come on, would you stand your feet with me?